The major problem, one of the major problems, for there are several, one of the many major problems with governing people is that of who you get to do it, or rather of who manages to get people to let them do it to them. To summarize, it is a well-known and much lamented fact that those people who most want to rule people are, ipso facto, those least suited to do it. To summarize the summary, anyone who is capable of getting themselves made president should on no account be allowed to do the job. To summarize the summary of the summary, people are a problem. And so this is the situation we find. A succession of galactic presidents who so much enjoy the fun and palaver of being in power that they never really notice that they're not. And somewhere in the shadows behind them, who? Who can possibly rule if no one who wants to can be allowed to? Pussy! Pussy, puss, puss, puss! Kuchu, kuchu, Pussy wants his fish? Nice piece of fish. Pussy want it? Pussy not eat his fish. Pussy get thin and waste away. I think. I imagine this is what will happen, but how can I tell? I think it's better if I don't get involved. I think fish is nice, but then I think rain is wet, so who am I to judge? Ah, you're eating it. Fish come from far away, or so I'm told, or so I imagine I am told. When the men come, or when in my mind the men come, with their microphones and their books about unromantic grey cities and their opinions on capitalism, do they come in your mind too? What do you see, pussy? And when I hear their bits, all their many bits, their admonishment about almond milk or thwarting every attempt at wrangling them into water, do you hear bits? Perhaps you just think they're singing songs to you. Perhaps they are singing songs to you and I just think they're making fun of me for drinking almond milk. Do you think they came today? I do. There's craft beer empties in the bin, a box of Quality Street and a bottle of Baileys on my table, fish in your plate and a memory of disgrace in my mind. And look what else they've left me. It looks like a copy of that book. I wonder if this is a Christmas present. I think today is Christmas Day, don't you, puss? But there isn't a tree, nor loved ones, and no presents for the last ones to give to the first one. I think I remember children singing last year. Or was it the year before? I once built a snowman and the children came and we all threw snowballs at it. Perhaps it will snow again some day, when those ape descendants have stopped trying to make small green pieces of paper by smashing prime numbers together. Perhaps the children have already been and I've forgotten. Perhaps I'd like a glass of Baileys. Yes, that seems more likely. Perhaps I should take a look at this book then. It looks very old. I think I'm an old man, so it has been a long time since I saw a copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide that was this old. I wonder what it has to say. What we laughingly call the guide has much to say on the topic of Earth Christmas past. Most of it tautological, as all recorded Christmas exists in the past. Traditions built from the Norse Yule, Roman Saturnalia, grafted on Turkish saints and pagan tree worship, combined with complex liturgical practices and a dash of whatever the sausage roll marketing board hype into the charts this year. 
More than wrapping themselves like pigs in a comforting tradition blanket, Earth people ape a concept of Christmas past that itself was already old. In Britain, people live in the nostalgic glam rock Christmas of 1973 through the words of Noddy Holder, who is in turn reflecting the Warsaw Yuletides of the 1950s, where his grandmother, despite protestations that old ones were the best, enjoyed a spot of Buddy Holly and Poison Ivy by the coasters. We simultaneously live in the 16.67% of the boyhood Christmases of Irving Berlin. A five-year-old newcomer to New York, but only once every six years there had been more than an inch of snow on the ground on December 25th since 1912. Or do we spend time in the Belarusian memories of his parents, whose home region of Witzbeck has around 100 days of snow a year? But even these Christmases are then contemporarily nostalgic simulcra of the concepts of simply having an English Victorian Christmas time. Much of the Anglosphere's modern notion of Christmas comes from the work of a bearded writer of the 1800s. But despite the ample opportunities for using the supply of sprouts, turkeys and action figures of G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip to demonstrate the labour theory of value, Earth Society has instead chosen Charles Dickens. The Hitchhiker's Guide contains most that is apocryphal or at least wildly inaccurate, but it is at least an attempt at non-fiction. Dickens, whose snow, gooses and goodwill to all men contain the foundations of our idea of Christmas, was making it up. Born in 1812, Dickens experienced six white Christmases in the first nine years of his life, but after the end of what is called the Little Ice Age in the mid-19th century, they became a rarity in Britain outside of Christmas fiction. We, however, continue to live in Charles Dickens's childhood, as Irving and Noddy did before us. The Christmas past section of Dickens's 1843 A Christmas Carol contains a timeline circularity that Slighty Bartfast would campaign against. In his story, the one that gives us the idea of Victorian Christmas, an idea that didn't exist before the story, his lead character goes back into the past to view a wonderful Christmas time of a type that wouldn't exist until after the book itself became the basis of our idealised Christmas. George Orwell wrote a long essay about the work of Dickens. His disappointments lay not in the prose or the defiance of the campaign for real time, but in the lack of a revolutionary position on how the society he described could change. Dickens, wrote Orwell, has no constructive suggestions, not even a clear grasp of the nature of the society he is attacking, only an emotional perception that something is wrong. All he can finally say is, behave decently. And that is the problem with Scrooge's redemption. He sees Christmas past, and he sees that he was happier being kind. A self-serving redemption is not change. Dickens, says Orwell, was not a revolutionary writer. But he revolutionised our December, took from the catalogue of past tradition, and laid out our Yule as certainly as if he had got his highlighters out on his copy of Parlour Pianoforte Times, and corralled a group of eminent Victorian newspaper men to dress as sailors and sing a song from contemporary musical, then presented it to us saying, So here it is. Merry Christmas. You boy, his Scrooge says. What notes are these, and are they in the right order? But those traditions of winter feasting stretch so far back into the past that we can reach back 
even to Paleolithic Islington and see two cavemen enjoying the post-dinner game Scrabble. One by one, they pull stone tiles with letters from the rabbit skin bag and form a sentence that asks the ultimate Christmas question. What will your daddy do when he sees your mama kissing Santa Claus? They have an H and two A's left in the bag. The ultimate answer is that your Christmas past is unwritten. You can build your own myths, Mark, as surely as you can build a snowman. And wherever you stick the carrots, it's up to you. Why did that book call me Mark? It seems odd to give a bundle of vague sensory perceptions a name. And it mentions Christmas past. But... How can I tell that the past isn't a fiction designed to account for the discrepancy between my immediate physical sensations and my state of mind? Oh, look, my glass is empty again. Now, what's this dropping through my letterbox? It looks like a Tri-D-TV-DVD. And it has Don't Panic written in large, friendly letters on the label. Hopefully my sensor tape Omnibox can play it. Let's see what it says. The Ghost of Christmas Present Please note that due to yet another round of funding cuts, this article was produced without the aid of copywriters, sub-editors, the Clippy Virtual Assistant, or Galacton Ultra Quills. It is therefore fundamentally a little confused. The Ghost of Christmas Presents remember things? Do you remember Christmas? Christmas mornings? You'd wake up, right, wouldn't you? And, and, and you'd run downstairs. And there'd be your mum and your dad looking all bleary-eyed and you'd open everything. And you'd just keep on. You'd keep opening everything. And you'd barely know what you'd open because you'd keep digging and digging and opening more and more things. And dad's pouring up brandy and you're still opening things. Do you remember? Do you remember? I'll tell you what I always wanted. A Paul Daniels magic set. Do you remember Paul Daniels? For years I asked for a Paul Daniels magic set, and then one year I got one. I liked it. Not a lot, but I liked it. Hey, but what's the deal with presents? I spend about ten credits on you, you spend about ten credits on me. And presents? Sometimes you're not even there when I open it. Anyway, cracking on. I did some research into presents. Here it is, the presents research. Gold conducts heat and electricity. Ductile, highly reflective of heat and light. Frankincense... Its aromatic properties are said to promote feelings of relaxation, peace, and overall wellness. Myrrh kills harmful bacteria, supports oral health. Simple to use. A perfect combo for someone who wants to brush their teeth in a bubble bath while conducting electricity. Can't see any problems there. I'd still prefer a chocolate orange. My parents one year, they shared a beautiful cake with us they brought back from a Caribbean cruise. A beautiful rum cake. Sponge soaked to bursting with delicious rum. I said to my dad, so you got this on a Caribbean cruise? He said, yes, your mum picked it up on the Caribbean cruise. I said, Jamaica. No, we were actually in St. Kitts. But there are some classic presents, aren't there? The chocolate orange, gold, frankincense and myrrh, of course. But also book tokens and diaries and calendars and DVDs. For many years, stand-up comedy DVDs were a solid dad gift choice. But their days now seem numbered as we all turn to streaming platforms. Who needs a DVD of Michael McIntyre remembering things? Well, the death of the comedy DVD is bad news for stockings that need to be filled. But 
It's good news for us at The Guide. Cash-strapped as we are, we've bought up the remaindered products and we're trying to find new ways to repurpose these ghosts of Christmas presents. Now, let us tell you about our mother-in-law. What is a mother-in-law? I wonder if it's the name for that flap of skin just on the tip of my elbow. Yes, that seems plausible. Still, it would be nice to get a present. Or to give one. I think giving presents is probably nicer than receiving them. At least, when you give something away, you don't have to find a place to keep it until the person you gave it to comes round again. Ah, but I miss Christmas. There seems very little point to it when you're alone in a shack with no one to talk to, except you, puss. I read somewhere that this is the shape of all Christmases to come. That seems like a pretty dystopian prediction to me, puss. But what do I know? I know I'd like a green triangle... Hmm, yes, I was right. Oh, puss, you're sitting on the TV remote. What's worse, you've just changed the channel to sub-ether text. I didn't even know my TV still received sub-ether text. Oh, but look, it's flipped over to page 267,709. It's another entry from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but this edition doesn't come out for another century. Here, puss, give me the remote. Let me turn up the volume and see what it says. Perhaps the most academically studied of all the quotes by former Galactic President Zaphod Beedlebrox from his short term in office is the pronouncement, everyone who tries to predict the future from now will fail. Interestingly enough, it's not the philosophy or the logic departments, most of who are on record as saying, I'm not touching that with a well-insulated prodding drone. It is in fact the psychology departments who write quite long tracks and undergraduate dissertations on whether this was an incredibly astute thing to say, or very, very dumb. With that in mind, let's give predicting the future a stab anyway. Christmas on Earth, some would say, is one of the most static and traditional times of the year. That, while on the face of it, is jolly and joyous, underneath runs a current of angry resistance. The city of Birmingham found this out when one year it decided to put all its winter festivals and events under the banner Winterville. Christmas celebrations were very much part of this and the Winterville celebrations kicked off with the Santa's parade through the city centre in the middle of November. Christians, small sea conservatives and people that fear change more than the nice Polish family down the road were terribly offended. Not like you'd expect at the beginning of the Christmas celebrations a good two weeks before Advent, but at the seeming attack at their idea of the white Orthodox Christmas of their past. And England officially being a hell island, the national press picked it up with the tact and delicacy of a dingo picking up a baby, splashing Birmingham bands Christmas around until it got bored and moved on to something else. Again, much like a dingo with that same baby five minutes after. The point is this. What if Birmingham was right? Even just 20 years after, with the largest secular population it has ever seen, Christmas is changing. The only thing stopping Christmas bleeding in September at this point is Halloween. There are campaigns to keep Christ in Christmas, but to be honest, he really has no business being in there in the first place. The Winterville meme could absorb and spit out Christ, just like it did with Mithras, Saturn, and the other gods, pixies and folk creatures of the past. At the moment, Christmas is on a knife edge. 
One side is an alienating traditionalist Christmas, a husk of rules and codes that must be adhered to, and inside that husk, capitalism burrows about making the corp twitch. And on the other side is a time to reconnect with your family, chosen or not, an opportunity to tell each other what they mean to you. Anyone that predicts the future will be wrong, but imagine a festival that is spread over the entire winter months, centering around personal and family traditions. A festival where we look inside ourselves and to each other to find the light and warmth we miss in the fog and sleep. Gifts and love and pockets in the snow where love lives. We can make that happen. That seems like good advice. Don't you think so, Puss? I think it is. But I'm tired. Today is Christmas Day and I have neither Christmas tree nor lights nor snow. And no Christmas cheer. Bah humbug. No, that's too strong, for it is my favourite holiday, but all this year has been a busy blur. I don't think I have the energy. Let's lock up for the night, puss. You lick your plate clean, and I'll go and take the bins out. Pussy puss, look! Christmas cheer was here all along! I found it behind the bins with a note from Hermes saying they've left it in a safe place. Christmas in the Shack was written by John Bounds, John Hickman, Danny Smith and Mark Steadman. It was based on The Man in the Shack from Douglas Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, played in the radio series by the peerless Stephen Moore. Our Slade tribute was written by the hitmaker John Hickman and sung by me and a little bit by John Bounds. Sorry about that. We'd all hoped to be together for the big red lads big day but the rona and all fear of said rona kept us apart damn you omicron still we hope we did our part to bring you a little christmas cheer and a smattering of company even if slightly truncated i'm hugely grateful to everyone who's been in touch this year to tell us that they like our silly show and special thanks to Gemma, who not only wrote us a beautiful email but took the time to track us down when it bounced when we're together on mic again we'll have a good chat about it but know that we love hearing from you and we're flattered and a little bashful when people ask us if and when we're putting out another episode if you're new to the show sorry there's probably a few references in this episode that make no sense but the good news is there's like 70 other episodes you can go back to some of which are actually quite fun we'll be back in the new year so until then go stick your head in a pig and also share and enjoy Merry Christmas so here